Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the State of the University Address. Uh, this is always <clears throat> a fun tradition. I love getting together with you guys and telling you about uh, the plans, about what's coming. And I'm especially excited this year to be telling you guys about what's coming um, because we have... Um, we have some pretty big plans ahead now. Um, I mentioned last year, so I mean, I, I, I've I said this in my Hobbit Day address, but it bears uh, it bears remembering that last year, you'll recall, you know, the theme of the campaign was on the doorstep, right? And that was partly because you know we were like right in the beginning, you know, we had just completed the first step of the credentialing process, and so. There was that sense, I certainly had that sense very strongly last year, that we were on the doorstep, that Signum itself was on the doorstep. There are other ways in which that metaphor works, of course, but in which Signum itself was really on the doorstep of, of some big things. But if you'd asked me last year, I wouldn't have been able to tell you what they were, right? Um, I could just tell. It's like, you know, when uh, when weed fodder can smell the change in the wind, right? Right before the charge uh, onto the Pelennor fields. Um, it was kind of like that. Right. Uh, you know, or, or like when 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 Han Bure Han says wind is changing right at the very end. Uh, that was that was the sense that I had last year that um, we had always planned. The plan for Signum always had been to, you know, maintain our, our small focused program through this early phase, you know, this startup phase uh, of Signum. Uh, and then but then the time was going to come. Right. The moment would arise uh, when it was time to. Um, begin not shifting as in turning away, but uh, stepping out uh, and doing more and really expanding Signum. And last year wasn't the time, but I knew that the time was close. And uh, the time is the time is 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 come. We are now in the midst of it. So um, I'm that's what I'm going to be sharing with you guys about. And I'm going to be trying to my hope here is to um, to share with you guys not only like what the plan is, but kind of the rationale behind it. I really want you to know sort of where I'm coming from here. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be taking a kind of an indirect route uh, towards um, explaining where we're heading. Um, but I hope that that will make sense when we get there. Um, and some of it is going to be kind of familiar ground as I go over some things which are kind of really at the core of what Signum is trying to do in the first place. But that's deliberate. Um, you know, one of the obvious questions that arises in people's mind when I talk about the new things that we're planning to do is like, so does this mean we're shifting, we're changing, right? You know, that Signum is growing, is is, is, is becoming something else. Um, and I want to make it as clear as I possibly can, we're not becoming something else at all. This is the thing that makes me so happy. I have been, ever since the new plan um, has been formulated, I cannot even tell you the relief that I have been feeling because, you know, when I'm just projecting, when I'm just trying to figure out where we were to go, I couldn't tell. I wasn't sure. You know, I wasn't really sure where we were supposed to go. Again, last year, if you'd asked me, I wouldn't have known. And between last year and this year, there have been some times when I've kind of wondered, I'm like, are we going to have to just go in a different direction? You know, like, are we going to have to sell out in some way? You know, are we going to, can we really continue in the direction that we are in without compromising our principles, without compromising our, our vision, you know, for Signum and our identity as Signum? Um, and, you know, there have been times over this last year when I wasn't 100% sure if we would be able uh, to move forward without 
changing, you know, without really accepting, you know, uh, again, there were days when I thought I was going to be happy sitting here tonight giving a talk like, well, you know, like there comes a time when you have to like acknowledge that, you know, we have to make some changes. Like I thought that was the talk I was going to have to be given and I was not looking forward to giving that talk and I'm not giving that talk. So I'm here to tell you at the beginning, this is I this is so exciting to me, not only because it is the next thing, but because it's the next thing down the same path. This path that we uh, show you on this image here, this is a this is a straight path, right? With light shining on it, uh, because it really is straightforward down the road uh, from where we began. And I am uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to sort of show you that. But again, the thing to keep in mind from the beginning I know that Tolkien studies in particular and that, uh, you know, imaginative literature, fantasy, science fiction uh, and Germanic philology also, these are the things that have brought us all together, right? That has been the cornerstone of this community from the very beginning. I want to make sure that it is perfectly clear. I want to make this clear at the beginning and at the end of tonight's talk that Signum is never going to forget Tolkien, right? Uh, Tolkien studies is not going away um, Nothing that I am going to say tonight means that we are going to diminish by one iota any of the things that we're doing. We're not turning away from anything. We are only adding, we are not subtracting, and indeed the things that we are looking to move forward and to do are going to enable us to do what we have been doing better more uh, than we've ever done before. So I want to make sure that that's, again, we're not, we're not turning from anything. We are continuing down the road and bringing our fellowship with us as we go. If you think about the approach that we have taken uh, at Signum, you know that not only do we have one program, right? We have our master's degree program. That's the only academic, you know, degree, uh, degree granting, uh, uh, credit bearing program that we have. Uh, is our master's degree program in language and literature. Um, not only do we just have that one program, we don't even, you know, make any uh, uh, attempt to cover all of language and literature, right? We have a very focused niche, right? We are we are focused on what in the business world they call a vertical, right? Um, namely, trying to fill vertically this one narrow but deep niche, right? And that is Tolkien studies, fantasy literature, and Germanic philology. Um, And that has been fantastic. Exactly, Simon. We do one thing and we do it well. And that's been that's been a very deliberate choice over the years. You know, over the last few years, as our curriculum has been expanding some, there's been a temptation. Right? There's been a temptation to kind of branch out more and more. Be like, hey, let's do some, let's do more, uh, uh, you know, later literature. Let's let's do some 19th century literature. Let's you know, let's let's uh, let's diversify our, our literature curriculum. There's a real impulse to do that, mostly because that's the way things are usually done, right? That's the way that um, uh, departments usually operate, right? Uh, You know, the standard idea of like a literature program is one that has coverage, right? Coverage is an important thing. Um, But you know, we have made the very the very determined choice. No, that's not us. That's not what we're going to do. Um, and it's a it's a huge benefit, I think, um, that we are able to that we were able to do that. It's been a big part, uh, I think, of Signum's success to this point. So the question becomes, and a lot of people have asked this over the years, like, so what's the next step, right? Um, 
there are a couple different things that we could do. One would be just to, to continue to occupy the same vertical, but just to try to do more of it, right? Like we have the master's degree program. So do we, do we expand and like also offer a PhD in the same stuff and then maybe go down and, and, and do an undergraduate program in this stuff? And that's those are both very attractive ideas, uh, and I do think we're we are definitely going to do those things. Um, but that's um, but that's not actually sort of a. I mean, that's kind of a step forward, but that's not exactly a step forward. That's not gonna. Uh, that's not really the, the the kind of step forward that we need. Um, we do need to continue uh, to fill our vertical niche even 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 more fully. Um, but that's just kind of. Grow, the natural growth of our current program. That's not really expand. It's not really the kind of expansion that we're going to need in order to really sort of change the game and build a, 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 a sort of a solid foundation that's going to enable us to be really confidently sustainable uh, for years to come. So, so then what, right? Is it about finding, you know, adding, you know, doing a, a kind of an arithmetic edition of vertical niches, right? Do we need to find another vertical niche or maybe a couple vertical niches that are kind of like it, right? So we're doing, you know, Tolkien studies and Germanic philology and language and literature. Do we need to find, you know, I don't know, something like Byzantine history, like we're, we're going to do Byzantine history, right? We're going to do history focused on Byzantium. That's what we're doing, right? Uh, that's our second niche and like Baroque music and uh, I, I don't know, like something else, right? You know, there's, there's all kinds, you know, some other kind of fandom thing maybe over there. Who knows? That's one model, right? One model is to say like, you've got the one niche. Now next step is add a bunch of other niches, right? Which are similar to that. Um, and honestly... Again, if you had sat me down a year ago and made me guess what the next thing was, um, I might have guessed that, actually. I might have said, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's it. Maybe, uh, you know, the thing that we'll do next is add new niches. Um, but no, that's not, that's not what we're going to do. Uh, the current plan is a way better and more exciting plan than that. Um, we are going to step out of our niche and add a second niche, but our second niche is going to be into a, it's going to be a step up into a much, it's still, still focused, but a much roomier niche than the one that we have right now. Um, one of the things that is clear is that Signum University was designed to be able to offer quality interactive humanities courses at scale, right? Um, we have a really solid, wonderful foothold in our current niche, right? Um, I don't want other similar footholds. What we want is to be able to develop a niche which can enable us to bring students in on a completely different scale. That will change the game. That will enable us to really um, be uh, solid, to have a solid foundation, to be sustainable for the future. And you can probably see why I was having doubts and concerns over the course of you know, various points over the course of this last year about whether or not we we're going to have to sell out to do that. Right. I mean, there were dark days when I was like, are we going to have to start like a business program or something like that? <laughs> like, is that, do we have to do that? Is that what has to happen? I would I'd feel so dirty if I just did something like that. Um, uh, but no, that is not, in fact, what we're going to do. So let me explain what we are, in fact, going to do. Uh, and here's where I'm going to get a little bit uh, roundabout in order to kind of explain. And part of this is really just kind of following my own line of thinking, um, because I'm not just trying to, like, throw darts at a board and, and, and like, 
like have a list of of you know potential other niches that we could occupy and be like ah how about that one right what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to be strategic not just in like the subject that we choose to teach but really thinking about where is higher education going signum is i think and i have been saying this for years now Signum is, in my opinion, a really wonderful glimpse of what the future of higher education could look like. I'm not saying everybody has to be just like us and do things just like we do, but we are different uh, from most people, and we are different in ways which are generally, I think, very forward-thinking. Um, we are ready for, you know, the new millennium in ways that that a lot of our colleagues in the brick-and-mortar education world are not. Um, and so I'm thinking about uh, what's coming next. And one of the reasons that I've been particularly thinking about this is that the crisis in higher education has been sort of growing and brewing. And my, uh, my, my antenna have been quivering about this lately. I have a, uh, an increasing uncomfortable feeling uh, that uh, change... Uh, and uh, and possibly sudden change uh, is coming in higher education. Because um, as we know, I mean, I think everybody has at least a vague sense that higher education is in a bit of a mess, right? There is a major dilemma in higher education. And here is the dilemma. The dilemma is that it's a mess no matter what angle you look at it from. There is incredible stress and pressure, both from the point of view of the schools and from the point, you know, from the point of view of the seller, the school, and from the point of view of the consumer, the student, right? Everybody is in a bind uh, right now in higher education. And this is why no one has come up with a solution. That's why everybody just kind of looks at the higher education problem and shakes their heads because this is a, it's a very difficult situation, right? Like think about it from the student angle, from the family angle, right? You've got really, really high tuition, and the student debt is absolutely out of control, right? Uh, you know, as uh, as 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 Thrayan would say, it can this cannot be born, right? It can't, like it is unsustainable. Um, you are not people cannot people should not have to make the choice um, about um, uh, about about going into debt like people are going into debt. It just breaks my heart. Uh, has been breaking my heart for years. It's one of the reasons I founded Signum, because I used to sit in my office when I was a tenured English professor at a liberal arts, at an independent liberal arts school, and I used to, uh, 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 college, and I used to sit there with my English majors and listen to them talk, you know, my graduating seniors going off after graduation with like $80,000 worth of debt and very little in the way of career plans. And I'm like, ah, I mean, it was horrible. I felt like I was, I felt like I was, you know, part of the problem. I felt like that, you know, the salary I was bringing home was like blood money, uh, taken from these, from these young people. It was horrible. Um, it's so the, the tuition situation, it can't, it can't continue. It shouldn't continue. Um, and then there's the degree programs themselves, right? Degree program. So like a bachelor's degree, a four-year bachelor's degree program, you know, 120 credits, uh, ish as they generally are. Um, 
That's a big time commitment. Now, you know, it's one thing for traditional students. I mean, it's kind of a cultural thing, right? You know, 18 to 22 years old, you go off to college, you spend four years of college, and then you start, you know, your real professional life after you graduate from college. Like that's, it's a, it's sort of a, a standard enough part of our culture that people don't really think about it that much. But of course, anytime you get a non-traditional situation, right? You get somebody who wants to make a career change and needs a new degree, right? Or somebody who wants to come back and try to do a bachelor's degree later in life when they're juggling family and jobs and other things, right? It's hard. It's very difficult. Um, it's a, it's especially given the amount of tuition you're being charged per year, right? And of course, a lot of people are trying to job that, right? Very sensibly, right? To find ways. I mean, it's now, it, it used to be an unusual thing. It is now a very, very common thing, right? For people to be trying to find ways. Can I, you know, take courses at the community college? Can I do this and that? Can I find a way to reduce the number of years I'm going to college, right? Because then I won't have to pay as much. Um, that's very normal now. At the end of the day, higher education is it is, um, as they say in the business world, a big ask, right? I mean, to say, we want you to pay, you know, $60,000 of tuition a year for four years. Why don't you spend four years of your life and we want you to pay $60,000 a year for the privilege of giving four years of your life to us. And in exchange, we will give you a bachelor's degree. Um, that's asking a lot. Right. It's a major, major investment of time and money uh, and uh, with massive future consequences, as so many people have to you know, go into debt in order to do that. What this means, of course, is that there become you think about, you know, those are the things. Right. Give me four years of your life. Give me two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of your money. You know, so give me a quarter million dollars in four years of your life. And in exchange, I will give you this, this bachelor's degree. What that has created, right, is an intense pressure on the institution now, right? Because people are very sensibly saying, okay, so what's my return on investment? Right? I'm going to give you a, a quarter million dollars in four years of my life. I better be getting, and I'm going to be indebted. Like I'm going to not going to be able to buy a house for the next 10 years because I'm going to be paying off my student debt. So I won't be able to afford, you know, a mortgage or something. Um, okay. So, I will do that, but I will only do that if the return on investment is good enough, right? And this, of course, turns around uh, and puts the schools themselves in this bind, right? Because they also are under incredible pressure. First, they are under pressure from the really, really high costs of their operation. Um, a lot of people don't understand even schools which appear wealthy, right? You look, you stroll around the campus and you say, wow, this place is loaded, right? Uh, it's hard. Not, your campuses are usually designed to give you that impression. Like that is, that is part of the fronting that colleges are often doing in order to uh, convey to you that, you know, there's a lot of money here. And there is a, a, lot, a lot of money there. Um, but they are spending a lot of money. Their campuses are enormously expensive. There are a, a, a large number of schools, especially like private liberal arts schools, um, which operate on a very, very narrow margin um, where only a small drop. I, I think that there are, um, there, are, uh, there are many, many schools in the country which if their 
enrollment, their student enrollment dropped by 10%, they would go bankrupt because they cannot possibly pay their bills if they fall short of their goals. And this is true. As I say, I, I do think that, you know, private, uh, in, uh, like private liberal arts schools are are some of the ones at the greatest risk for this. But this is true of bigger schools, too. I mean, right now, this is public information um, in the state of New Hampshire. We're having a little bit of a mini crisis, which they're trying to not talk about all that much. Um, but UNH, our state, we have one state system. You know, the University of New Hampshire uh, is our major state university. Um, and their undergraduate class is coming in with a 10% enrollment shortfall this year. They are 10% under projected enrollment uh, for undergrad this year. And it is cause it is a very causing a very serious budgetary shortfall at UNH. I don't think they're going to go bankrupt this year, um, but it is a strain. It is a significant strain on UNH. And there is um, some quiet urgency uh, going on um, behind the scenes in Durham and Concord trying to solve this situation. Um, it's a big deal. And this is, a, this is again, colleges live really close to the bone. Why? Because their costs are enormous. Um, it is um, uh, it is very, very expensive to run a campus. Um, you know, many of us uh, listening, uh, to, you know, m- many of you listening to this are homeowners. I, I'm a homeowner, homeowner and you know what it's like to be locked into a money pit, right? Uh, you know, one of those houses that you just have to pour money after money after money in, in order to, you know, to, in order to keep it up. There are a lot of college campuses like that, which just cause cost massive sums of money. And often, you know, there'll be very successful capital campaigns that they'll be doing that, you know, be like, Hey, we raised $25 million in order to build this shiny new building. That's fantastic. Great. Wonderful. Excellent. It'll be beautiful for about, three for about three years and then uh they'll have to pour more money in to maintain it and then it becomes part of the regular cycle and of course they've got to heat it and everything else and the the equipment in it is gonna is gonna be obsolete in a couple years and um and you know a couple years down the road it just becomes part of the increasing financial burden year by year uh on the budget it's a really big problem um, the second problem with higher education is that, you know, we've got the situation is changing, right? The old transaction, you give me a quarter million dollars in four years of your life and I'll give you a bachelor's degree in exchange. Uh, that's, as I say, that's, uh, in, there's increasing tension uh, in that, right? And so there is a need. Everybody can see, everybody in higher education can see, we need to maybe change how we do some things. Right. Maybe this is uh, not going to work out exactly like this. Maybe we need to be thinking in some new ways about this. But you know what? Um, People, (laughs) most universities are not really designed uh, to change the way that they do things in any. They're not exactly responsive. Right. Um, Most universities, even comparatively small colleges, are like really, really enormous boats, right? That take like a 10 mile turn radius, right? In order to, uh, uh, to turn around. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's just the way that they're, it's just the way that they're set up. I mean, conceptually, right? I mean, if you think about it, universities have been sort of first and foremost created in order to like preserve knowledge and traditions, um, not to be 
innovative and forward thinking and pushing the envelope, right? A lot of schools like to talk that way, um, but in general, their like their policies and structures are not very flexible. It's hard to innovate, and it would certainly be hard for them to change the direction uh, and the system of the entire university. I mean, after all, um, a lot of their uh, a, a lot of their systems are literally set in stone, right? You know, like we pay. I mean, I, you'd be surprised how many decisions uh, are made on college campuses just in order to like. Well, we would like to stop doing this. But we have this whole building, right? And if we stop this program and do something else, then what are we going to do with that building, right? Um, we won't have a program there anymore, and, 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 and it would be an embarrassment to sell it. It's right in the middle of our campus. So we have to, we still have to keep doing something with that building. I mean, that, those, those are kinds of things that really factor in uh, to, um, uh, to brick-and-mortar campus decisions. Um, but again... We still have that pressure to deliver the return on investment for students because the students, you know, the consumers are looking more and more sharply at that thing that is being offered to them in exchange for their quarter million dollars and their uh, and their and the four years of their life, right? Um, and so, a lot of schools, this so this that that pressure is driving a lot of program change, right? Um, let's let's reevaluate our majors and our thing. You know, we they're not going to change fundamentally what they do, but um, but you know, if we can kind of prioritize programs that are uh, that that appear to give to students, um, uh, you know, a, a higher return on investment and and de-emphasize some of the others, maybe that will help. We'll come back. To that particular move, to that particular problem, uh, a little bit later on. Um, so, I have, you know, thought from the beginning. I mean, one of the reasons that I founded Signum, and I've been really, really happy with this and seen this grow over the years. Signum really does offer a solution to a lot of these problems. Um, we by lowering our costs, right? Step one, Signum University has no campus. We pay for no real estate, and it is our goal to never have a piece of real estate ever, anywhere. Um, as a result, our costs are tremendously lower. Even if we pay all of our people above more than what anybody else pays their people, our costs will still be, our fixed costs will still be way, 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 way lower uh, than any other uh, campus because we don't have, we're not trying to support. Uh, you know, to shovel money into the big, huge money pit. Um, so that means, of course, that we can lower tuition in ways that nobody else can lower tuition. Um, there are other people who lower tuition by because they're supplementing their bottom line with government funding, right? That's not lowering tuition. I mean, it's kind of nice to shift the burden of that or to spread the burden of that onto the taxpayers instead of uh, uh, just making the students go into debt. I mean, I guess that's kind of okay, but that's not a solution. I love Bernie Sanders, but Bernie Sanders' solution to higher education is not a solution. Um, it's just a way of using tax dollars to under to underpin the entire failing system. Essentially, it's like a big old bailout, which is doesn't change anything, um, and again, just shifts the burden from the students to the taxpayers, which which is not. Uh, it's a change, but it's not a solution. Um, so. That's like the very first thing that Signum changes, right? The Signum approach is we look, we reduce our tuition by reducing our costs. So it's just, and that is the the, the simplest, easiest, most honest way uh, in which we can reduce uh, our 
you know, what our students have to pay. Um, we also, of course, have a great deal more flexibility, like orders of magnitude, more flexibility than a brick and most brick and mortar institutions. Um, we are, first of all, we are new. Uh, we are a new young startup. We are open minded, ready to try new things. We are not invested in old models and old systems. And indeed, it's been part of our culture from the beginning to question those systems. There are many things about traditional academia that I love, that I respect, uh, that I want to preserve. But there are many ways, and you know, all of us who have worked in higher education know there are a lot of ways in which it really could be improved upon. Uh, you know, it, it, there there really could be some better ways of doing things. There are some flaws, certainly with the way that higher education operates. Uh, and so we've been able to, you know, we, we are systematically able to, you know, to, 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 uh, uh, think outside that box. Um, we are also organized, deliberately organized, uh, in a way that's designed to maximize our ability to respond to developing student needs, to shift, uh, and grow in new ways. This, you know, what I'm talking to you guys about tonight is one example of that. Um, we really uh, are able to respond very, very much. We can turn on a dime compared to uh, what um, uh, what other institutions are able to do. And so I'm really excited about our ability to uh, to adapt and adjust in whatever the new climate of higher education becomes. Um, so uh, but of course. Most importantly, we're not making that big ask to our students, right? We're not asking anybody for $250,000 and four years of their life, right? Um, uh, we are, uh, because we have lower tuition, our goal is to keep our tuition low enough that people can afford to pay their own way through school, right? I never want full-time tuition at Signum University to be higher than somebody can earn in a reasonable part-time job, while they're doing school, right? So that somebody, that a student, even like an 18-year-old student, could put themselves through school uh, by the work that they're able to do while they do it so that they don't have to go into, so that they can emerge at the end of their undergraduate career or their graduate study without debt, right? With just the world before them uh, and, uh, uh, and nothing weighing them down with no anchors that they are dragging. Um, uh, so, yes, imagining a world without student debt and, he speaks as a parent, a world without college savings accounts. That's another thing I would kind of like. It's OK, parents, just save money towards save money towards your retirement instead of paying money, uh, saving money towards your college, uh, the college education of your kids. Um, that's an that's another little little vision of mine, I have to admit, says the father of the 16 year old son. Um, but, um, yeah, it's. This enables us to deliver a more radically customizable education. You know, that's one of the things that we are able to do um, because of the, the kinds of flexibility that are built in to the Signum system. Um, and the result for us as an institution, not only do we create a better world for our students, we, we are in a better world. We have, it gives us a kind of freedom that, and almost no other institution enjoys, right? Um, so we don't have to go around scrutinizing departments, asking how much are they paying off, right? Uh, you know, are are we is this department providing the kind of return on on investment that our students need? No, you know, we we can create academic freedom by saying, you know what, like 
we're going to teach the things that we think are important and the things that our students value, not because they're like, what's going to lead me to the highest possible salary I can get so I can get out of debt soonest, right? But rather, what is going to enrich my life? Letting people choose, you know, so that, again, giving the students the freedom to choose, giving us the freedom to offer, right? I mean, oh man, it's just the reduction of that pressure all around, um, which I think is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, so what is the direction that we're moving? Well, I was talking about that return on investment issue, right? Um, and the problem here is the humanities. The humanities are what, uh, you know, humanities subjects, of course, language and literature is what we've been doing. It's been one of the things that has set Signum apart from the beginning. Back in 2011, when we started up, uh, you, you know, it was right near the beginning of, of the boom of online education, a little bit before the primary boom. Uh, we were kind of in there first before it went mainstream. Um, but, um, you know, what was happening then, you know, were the, the first big MOOC experiments and things like that. Um, that is the idea of through online education, being able to offer uh, education flexibly and at scale, right? In an efficient way at scale. And a lot of people were, you know, kind of scratching their heads and saying, how do you offer humanities at scale? Because, you know, you can offer math courses and computer science courses at scale because you can arrange, you know, assessments, tests and quizzes and things like that, which computers can grade, right? So it doesn't matter. Like you can have 10,000 students and, and it's not going to affect you because you just have, you know, your lecturer and you have, you know, your assessments, which can be graded by machines. And so therefore you can have any number of students and it's fine. But they're like, oh man, humanities, like how do you, if you've got 10,000 students, how do you grade 10,000 papers? You know, so of course, most of these people were comp sci folks, and so their their attempt to solve this problem was to go out and try to design computer programs and algorithms that would do a better and better job of grading papers for you. And it's it, it, we didn't succeed very greatly, I think. Um, Signum has always been designed to offer humanities courses, interactive, live discussion humanities courses at scale. Our scale has been comparatively small so far. Not so small as all that, actually. I mean, if you compare our master's degree program uh, to similar programs, right, to other master's degree programs in, 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 in literature, say, right, look at other MA programs. I mean, you know, I, I certainly at my alma mater, uh, there were not a third of the students that we have at Signum uh, in our uh, master's degree program. Um, so, for a for a for a department for a for a, a master's degree program in language and lit, we're pretty big, right? For that being our entire university population, it's pretty small. Um, but um, yeah, exactly. Hologram Coursera is one of the things that emerged from that time. Uh, that time of uh, of MOOCs, they were one of the uh, one of the in that same discussion uh, back in those days. Um, but uh, but again, Signum has always been focused on synchronous education. And we love the humanities. I love the humanities. That's what we do. Um, and this is where I'm coming back to what I was talking about before about that return on investment issue, right? Because humanities programs worldwide are under severe pressure. And the pressure comes from that return on investment thing, right? So you've got... Um, uh, You've got that huge ask that that the universities are doing and the students are like, OK, what am I going to get for this? And so they come into humanities programs saying, 
I mean, I can't tell you how many times I had this conversation, mostly with students' parents more than with students, but still, how many times when I was back when I was just an English professor, I had this discussion when people said, "Okay, is this going to is this going to help her career? Is she going to be able to get a job uh, if she's an English major?" Right? Um, and it was super frustrating. Actually, answering that question was really frustrating because um, the honest answer to that question is the elvish answer, right? Where I, I sort of one has to say both no and yes. Um, because on the one hand, the answer is certainly yes. On the one hand, studying, you know, majoring in the humanities as an undergraduate, the humanities is like ridiculously valuable, for almost everything, right? I mean, when you think back to the medieval liberal arts, the trivium, grammar, logic, and rhetoric, right? Um, that was the foundation. But that's, that's where everybody started for a reason, right? Uh, and up until, what, about 150 years ago, everybody believed that, you know, a sort of linguistic and literary education was the best preparation for public life, right? For any, I mean, and I don't just mean political life. I mean, every job, right? Every profession, every, everything that you did, everybody started off, you know, learning the classics and studying literature um, because the trivium is where it all begins, right? That's where you build um, the sort of the fundamental intellectual skills, which are going to be applicable to everything that you do. And it is still true today. There is absolutely no possible career that you could go into in which skills that you learn in the humanities will not benefit you. Like, you will be benefited by humanities, by the skills that you learn in the humanities, no matter what career you go into. Um, and the things that you learn, the things that you gain from studying the humanities, things like clear communication skills, persuasive writing skills, good presentation skills, um, uh, sensitive uh, uh, in interpersonal analysis, close reading, um, logical argumentation, all of these things that you get from humanities, um, these are things that employers really, really value. Uh, in their employees. And what's more, these are the kinds of things that tend to lead to advancement, right? I mean, if you've got three engineers, right, three in the new in, in the new pool of engineers, and there's one of them, you know, and they're all like doing fine in their engineering, right, in their hard skills. But there's one of them that is a really clear communicator, can write a really good paragraph, can uh, can communicate, can communicate dependably and clearly uh, in her emails, right? That's the person who's going to get promoted, right? That's the person uh, who is going to, uh, whom the people are going to be like, okay, that's future manager material right there, right? We, uh, this is somebody that we should really cultivate. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. So it's, um, this is, uh, this is uh, so, so again, so on the one hand, the answer to the question, is this going to help, you know, my daughter's career? Absolutely, totally, yes, very strongly. And I, I'm, I'm ready to defend that. But on the other hand, no, no. Humanities, as they're traditionally taught, are not necessarily very helpful. That is, if you go, you know, if you're in a liberal arts school and you become an English major, for instance, just to speak of what I know best, right? Um, though this is true of other humanities disciplines as well, certainly. Um, so if you go and you become an English major, what are you going to do? Um, you're going to gain many skills which are very applicable and very useful. However, um, your studies, like your actual coursework, is going to be almost entirely focused on the discipline. That is the discipline of literary study. 
um, and you are going to be trained up through your, you know, senior capstone project, which is probably going to be a written thesis of some kind, um, as if you're, you're, you're going to be trained up as if you're like going to go pro as a literary scholar. Right. You're like we, we, we work in English departments to make our students into excellent little literary scholars. Right. Except the problem is. And we know this only like one or two percent of our students are ever going to go on and become professional literary scholars. Right. Um, the way there's there's although there's no possible career in which humanity skills won't help you, um, the applicability of the work that you're doing in your humanities major is often concealed, not only from you, the student, but from your future employer, right? Um, employers themselves don't really know. They need help parsing what it means that you are an English major, right? Um, there are ways in which you can clearly indicate uh, to, uh, to employers, yeah, I'm an English major, right? And, you know, you can see what that means, right? And what that means I'm going to be able to offer you that a lot of your other potential employees or current employees won't be able to offer you. Um, but we don't do that. In general, programs don't do that for students. They don't help students with either end of that. Um, and uh, um, yeah, as Simon says, fewer than half of PhDs even stay in academia, uh, let alone everyone who gets a bachelor's degree. Exactly. Exactly. Um, these, the applicability of the humanities programs tends to be concealed or downplayed or just neglected when it should be being spotlighted. One of my premise, one of my premises here, therefore, is we can do this better. I think we can definitely do this better. Um, this is our new niche. This is the new niche that Signum is moving into. The humanities, the interdisciplinary humanities, and really trying to help people, whether it's both our students and help people outside in the outside world, people to whom our students are going to be applying to understand better the value. They, they already get it. Again, employers don't need to be taught. They know. They know that the, the, they, they love the kinds of skills that a humanities student brings in, right? Uh, brings with them. Um, but we can help, uh, to sell that better. We're not going to start, we're not just going to launch a second master's degree program like our current master's degree program. We are going to develop the humanities program for the modern world, which also means secretly that we're kind of going back to the medieval model, <laughs> but don't tell anybody that, uh, uh, those two things are kind of the same thing. Um, so let me tell you a little bit about what that program is going to look like. So let me, let me describe Signum in 10 years, right? 10 years from now, what do I think Signum University is going to look like? We're going to have a large interdisciplinary humanities program. And at the, 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 the foundation of this, at the bottom of this, and I say bottom in the sense of the first point of entry, the easiest point of entry, and also broadest base, right? Um, broadest appeal, uh, to the to the to the widest audience is going to be a set of career skills courses and badges. Um, these are going to be short courses, which will accumulate to a series of obviously useful and applicable badges. Okay, um, and they will focus on the most essential, the most simple application of humanity skills in 
practical life. They will be focused on the actual study of the humanities, like we'll actually read stuff and do humanities work in these things and help people to develop the kinds of skills that that work uh, develops. I'll show you some more details about this later on. Um, these courses are not going to be linked to a degree. These are not degree courses, uh, and there's no prerequisites for these courses. The target audience for these courses is everybody, <laughs> basically everybody. Um, it's um, we are uh, um, we are going to be focusing on offering courses. So th this is for people who are currently professionals, right? Who are currently in a job who know that there are some that they're being held back, right? Like you know that if you could write more dependable like you know that things might be easier for you in your office if like you weren't getting so many complaints about the reports that you write right if you could if you could feel more confident writing lucidly it would be much better right um you know that you have to give presentations and you need to present ideas and things would go better for you if you were better at doing that if you knew better how to do that um these are the kinds of skills that again like Studying the humanities really helps uh, with these things, and we believe that we can really help people um, who need, again, whether they're in a job and need, and want to be able to to move their career further. They feel like you're stuck in a rut, right? And you need to you need to be able to show, no, I can, I can do different. I I have more than just the hard skills, right? And I can I can develop in some new ways. Or whether you're entering the job market, right. Or, or entering a new job market, uh, and want to, uh, to make yourself more marketable in, uh, in different ways, uh, to improve your own skills. As I said, no prerequisites, short courses, focused skill-based badges, uh, and, uh, and, and, and none of this is for a degree. This is just for building, uh, these particular skills. Then on top of that foundation is our undergraduate program and our undergraduate program and I'll give a little bit more detail about our undergraduate program as well later on. Um, the central tier is a program in the interdisciplinary humanities um, uh, where people are going to be trained in, you know, the, uh, at sort of the lower level of the undergraduate program, the entry level of the undergraduate program, trained in essential skills that different humanities disciplines offer. Um, so it's kind of the next step forward in some ways from the career skill, like the lower end would be the next step forward from the career skills program. So from really basic writing skills, like making sure you can write emails that make sense and don't insult people and make sure that you can write a report that is a, you know, grammatical, be readable and see maybe even persuasive, um, that kind of thing, right? That's what the career skills is, is focused on. But if you want to go further, right, to develop things like research skills, Right. More advanced um, practice in writing and uh, and argumentation and things that you get through through literature classes, history classes, philosophy classes. Um, that's the uh, that's the sort of uh, uh, kind of the, the the lower level, the intro level uh, of the undergraduate program. And then, of course, we would also offer a bachelor's degree so that people can choose to go on and complete a bachelor's degree and specialize um, in uh, in a particular uh, uh program. Like, say, it might be language and literature uh, with a focus on Tolkien studies, which will certainly be among the options. Um, but again, the undergraduate program is conceived fairly broadly. Um, and, uh, well, I'll get a little bit more into the structure 
uh, of that a little bit later. Um, but then the, 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 the top tier above the undergraduate program are graduate programs. And here is where our current master's degree in language and literature is kind of our model um, and will be our template for other things that we will add then as well. Um, and my goal here is that we have master's degree programs and uh, doctorate programs also uh, in a number of the humanities disciplines which contribute to our undergraduate or to our interdisciplinary undergraduate humanities program. Um, so we would have a master's degree and a PhD in language and literature. Um, we have an MFA, uh, presumably, I think we'd have an MFA, um, but we can also do an MA and a PhD in history and in philosophy and in music, right? And in various others uh, of the humanities disciplines. Um, and that, you know, those are all sort of natural growths. And the, the idea is that we, um, uh, we want to provide humanities training at all levels, right? From the basic skills, you know, like basic skills for tech professionals right there in, in, the, in the foundational level through undergraduate study of the humanities onto advanced doctorate work, right? So that we are both um, uh, showing the broad applicability of the humanities at the lower levels, accessible to everyone, um, and and benefiting everyone, and then but then also adding on top of that advanced study for people who do because, you know, even if there are only two percent of your students who go on to become professional scholars, well, that two percent still needs somewhere to go, right? Uh, and I would, um, I would love to, I would love to offer that. Um, so, anyway, so that's the that's the sort of uh, uh, that's the vision. Another way to think kind of in the big picture of how this all fits together. Um, I love our Germanic philology program in the MA program. And one, it's been one of the things that has been, it's one, been one of the most satisfying elements of our, of our master's degree program over the last couple of years. Um, the way in which our Germanic philology program has really grown and developed and the excitement that I've seen from people around the world to come and take philology courses with us. People who are so excited to get the opportunity to learn Old Norse and Anglo-Saxon uh, and, uh, uh, and Germanic philology and begin to build all this stuff. Um, philology, of course, you know, as many Tolkien fans know, was back in Tolkien's day, the dominant study, the dominant academic discipline, right? It was absolutely huge and it has been dying. I mean, it's practically dead. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you could say that it was mostly dead even, but mostly dead is still partly alive. Um, and that's the state of Germanic philology right now. And Signum University is, and I've been saying this for a couple of years, um, I believe that Signum University has the only growing Germanic philology program on planet Earth. It's shrinking everywhere else, but it's growing at Signum, right? It is thriving at Signum. And it warms my heart as a, um, uh, you know, as a, as a, a lifelong Tolkien fan, it warms my heart. I am not myself a philologist, right? And it's, it's been since... I won't say since I was a kid, but at least since I was in college, it has been one of my sort of regrets uh, as a Tolkien reader and as a Tolkien fan and, and later a Tolkien scholar that I just don't share Tolkien's passion for language. I don't dislike languages. I like language and language study, but I just I don't have Tolkien's penchant for it. It just it doesn't resonate with me the way it did with Tolkien. Um, so I've always felt sort of sorry that um, 
I couldn't, you know, participate in uh, uh, in sort of the world of philology that Tolkien occupied and loved. So it makes me really happy to think that our program at Signum could potentially help contribute to like preserving uh, and even offering a local kind of renaissance uh, in the study of this field, which was so dear to Tolkien's heart. Um, I love the idea, the fact that we have already begun to create a shelter, what I hope and trust will be a long-term shelter for the study of Germanic philology. Um, It may be dying everywhere else, but it's booming at Signum. And because we are the kind of online program we are, because we're not attached to any geographical location, all of the people who would have wanted to study philology at all the other schools in the world, it's okay. It can die everywhere else because they can come here and they can study it here no matter where they are and no matter what else they're doing. My vision, therefore, for 10 years from now, is that I would like Signum to be a shelter for the study of the humanities in the same way, right? It's a bigger shelter, right? It's going to need a larger house, uh, metaphorically speaking, but that's okay. We can do that. Um, I know that the study of the humanities is on the decline elsewhere. I know that, you know, there are programs all around the country right now, departments, academic departments, where which are being eliminated because schools, you know, administrations are looking hard at the, you know, they're, they're really on the edge budgetarily, right? And they're like, we've got to make cuts somewhere. And hey, look, we've only got three music theory majors. Do we really need a music theory? department? Oh, we've only got four performing arts majors. Do we really need a performing arts? And goodness, we could cut out the whole studio, right? My goodness, we'd save so much money if we cut performing arts, right? Um, These are the kinds of conversations that are going on everywhere around the country. Um, And that makes me sad. Um, But like Germanic philology, I think that we can do humanities and do humanities better. I think that we can create a shelter from top to bottom, from doing a doing a better job than schools are currently doing of showing how necessary the study of the humanities is, not just for people who dig the humanities, but for everybody, right? Everybody needs these skills. And uh, we, as humanities teachers, can offer them. We have, you know, in our charge, one of the most useful sets of skills in the entire world, and we're totally not taking advantage of that. You know, we're totally not helping people with that and we need to do that. But also on the top end, right, to have um, Signum also be a place where the advanced study, research and teaching in the humanities, training doctoral students and future scholars to ensure that these disciplines all continue uh, and go on and move forward over the years. That's my picture. So the humanities in this way, it's a much it's a much roomier niche, as I said, uh, than our old one. But as you can see, this is this is not just we're doing this. Now we're adding this other thing over here. This is really taking what we do and broadening it out, continuing to do what we do, um, but um, refocusing our vision. Um, Okay, so um, the. um, So let me let me show you this is like that was like my, my, my hop forward, like 10 years. But of course, that, 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 that's not all going to be built in a day, right? Uh, that's not the, the next step is not 
everything because we can't do everything all at once. Uh, so let me show you a little bit uh, about how this is uh, already begun to grow organically and how it's going to continue growing organically uh, over the next few years. Um, in 2017, I introduced the image of the tree. This on the left-hand side is the tree that I introduced back in 2017. It's just a little old sapling, right, um, which was where Signum was uh, as long ago as two years ago, which seems like forever in Signum world, um, where Signum University, you know, we have the, the one branch, which is the Mythgard Institute, you know, our public programs in language and literature, the Signum Academy, which was just a little shoot at that time uh, and is still a fairly slender branch that is beginning to grow and put out new little branches. Um, Signum Academy, of course, is our program for K through 12 students. Uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, a, a lot of focus on 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 reading you know, sort of extracurricular reading programs and enrichment programs like that and then of course the 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 central stock was the signum graduate school our m a program in master in in uh, language and literature and that's sort of what we had the new version of the tree as we have grown and our canopy is starting to is starting to broaden a little bit um here let me um uh oh yeah let me actually show you that'd be helpful um is um um, so the, 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 the new tree is the one new piece of nomenclature that I wanted to introduce is we're calling this the Signum College, mostly because when I'm trying to explain the vision, I'm trying to lay things out like, you know, for people, I don't know, perhaps like accrediting bodies and stuff. I needed a way to, um, uh, I needed a way to describe all of our academic programs together. Um, I needed, you know, I, I, I wanted a, a collective identity for our higher education programs. Um, so we've got the Mythgard Institute still, the Signum Academy still. Uh, and instead of just we're calling the Signum Graduate School because we're building more than just the graduate school, we have the Signum College. And the school is now disciplinary specific, right? We have the School of Language and Literature. That's where our master's degree program lives. And so far we've had this category, but we've only had still the one thing. Uh, and it is time uh, for us to, um, uh, for us to, to build uh, our new, uh, our new branches here. Um, the first shoot of our new growth, the first step in our development of our humanities program is uh, what we're calling Signum Path. Um, this is the career skills program that I was describing before, that, 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 that broad foundational uh, um, uh, beginning of the program. Um, that's the very first thing that we're going to be unfolding, the first step that we're going to take forward. Um, and it's, uh, it's really exciting uh, to, to think about this. Um, now, when we do this, we have to be really careful. We have to be really careful because we're taking a big step forward and we have to make sure that we don't step forward before we, um, uh, before we can support it, right? Before we have the infrastructure and the infrastructure has always been our biggest challenge. I mean, as I've shared with you guys at many points in the past, most of our staff are still volunteers. Um, so the infrastructure of our university, the people who are doing all the things and, uh, you know, making the things happen behind the scenes outside the classroom, um, it's, it's, um, it's been interesting. It's been, uh, it's been um, uh, tricky from time to time uh, there. Um, 
building out our foundation so that we can become sustainable, professional, fully staffed um, is that is the first goal. Um, and so we need to step forward uh, in a way that's going to be deliberate and that is going to be strategic um, uh, so that um, we can uh, um, so that we can make sure that we can support it, that we don't we don't want to step out further than we can further than we can go. Um, so the Signum path is our uh, uh, is our is our first step is our first step down that uh, down that path. Uh, we're calling it that because it's um, it's a metaphor that uh, that really appeals in lots of ways um, uh, to enable people to to. To, to empower people to pursue their path, um, to choose their own path um, and, uh, uh, you know, make their own way, um, giving people the, the kinds of resources that they need in order to get where they want to go uh, is what we really want to be doing. Um, OK, so let me tell you a little bit more in detail about what that's going to look like and what we're planning to do uh, over the next year. Essentially. So Signum Path, as I said, this is our career skills program. We're going to do a preliminary launch of the Signum Path program in January 2020. I say preliminary because it's kind of a soft launch. Well, again, what we can't afford to do yet is just like open the doors and, you know, hope lots and lots of people come in. Um, We want to do a sort of a controlled launch, ideally with groups of people um, so that we can... um, Almost, I mean, if you think about it, the first eight months of 2020 will be almost like a beta release of the Signum Path program. It's not exactly, it's not a a perfect metaphor, but it will be almost like that, actually. Um, The two things that we really want to, um, uh, the the, the two things that we really want to focus on um, in the first, uh, in our first release are, so there's two things uh, that I've put there. There's the specific uh, target that we have, and then there's sort of the general category. And let me explain both. Um, first, our corporate programs, meaning uh, if you know we're we are looking for managers, CEOs, human resources directors, people who know that they have a company with a bunch of people who could really benefit from this kind of training. Um, uh, especially, you know, and our focus is going to be initially primarily in um, uh, probably primarily in the tech arena, though. I mean, we're open to other possibilities, but our initial concept is focusing on the, the te- you know, so we're, where we're dealing a lot with engineers and programmers whom we know, uh, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about uh, the need in that industry, in those industries, I, I should say, uh, for these kinds of soft skills. Um, so again, the corporate, but the concept of the corporate programs is that these are customized groups, right? Program, uh, customized programs that we would offer to particular groups. So again, the, the, uh, the kind of, uh, typical concept that we have for that is a company. So we've got a company that says, okay, we've got, you know, 15 people, um, who could really benefit from, uh, you know, getting these badges, uh, with you, you know, your, maybe your writing badge and your oral presentation badge, um, 
so let's bring those let's let's bring those 15 people together. We then will customize a program for them, you know, which really focuses on what their company does, right? The 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 kinds of assignments that the students will be doing over the course of the of the the, the mini courses uh, as they're earning their badges uh, will be tailored to the work that they're actually doing at their company and everything, um, so that we can we can really customize those for that set group of students which we bring through the program. The other option is you know the other, our other initial target uh, is to schools specifically coding boot camps this is this is a uh, been kind of a growing thing uh, these programs where you attend this boot camp program which is like 14 weeks long in order to learn how to code right you know so you're learning JavaScript or something like that and the idea is that after 14 weeks of intense training at the end of it you have the skills that you need to get a job as a um, as a JavaScript um, uh, programmer right? That's great. And that's a cool idea. And I love it. But here's the problem. Those students who are coming out of those programs have been taught literally nothing other than what to, than, than how to program in JavaScript, right? You know, they, 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 they are, those programs promise nothing more than that, right? And I have a shrewd suspicion based on conversations that I've had with people in the industry that there are a lot of graduates from those programs who could really benefit uh, from a program like ours. Um, so the way that that's going to work, unlike with, with the corporate programs, those would be, again, a group of people come, they're sent to us, right? And we customize our program. Uh, we, we customize our, our courses, our, you know, whichever badges they want to pursue. With the things like the coding schools... That would be um, what I call a system referral, right? So we'd have a relationship with the school um, where they, you know, we're, we're not we're not a part of their program. We're not affiliated with them officially, you know, in any kind of institutional way. But basically, we just take referrals from them. So we come to them and say, hey, we know that a bunch of your graduates really need help. And it would really benefit you as a school if, wouldn't it be nice, if more of the people who graduate from your school were given other skills that would help them to succeed because career success is really kind of what these schools base their whole reputation on, right? So wouldn't it be nice if we could help teach them some skills that could help them find a better job and, and, and move up within the, within their, the job that they get? Um, so those schools refer students to us and then we take those students. So we're dealing with the students individually. We're not, we're not kind of taking a body of students from the school or, or being an official part of their curriculum. Um, we're just taking referrals from them. Um, so I can imagine, by the way, either one of these kinds of programs Either the uh, um, the 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 customized groups or the system referrals happening in other kind of contexts, right? So if there were another group of people, not a company, right, not a corporation, um, who said, you know, you know, we we want to do this, right? We want to we want to bring our people together and give them these skills. I'd be very open to that. If there were some other kind of group, another kind of school, or another kind of another kind of institution, which um, which would want to set up a referral relationship with us, which, we, you know, who thinks that their their people uh, would really benefit from this kind of thing would be very interested to do that. Like to give another example, um, another example that uh, uh, was brought to my attention recently, which I hadn't thought of, which I think is a great idea. Um, people who are uh, uh, like uh, 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 brokers for contractors, right? Companies which um, uh, which have a, a, a a group of contractors who get sent out on contract and they organize contracts for them at, at different companies and stuff for an institution like, you know, for a company like that to use our, uh, our program 
uh, as re- referrals for their people, right? It's like, hey, you know, you would be able to uh, bring in even more money as a contractor if you could, you know, improve some of your skills in these ways. Um, so they might come in and and um, and bring um, uh, and bring in, you know, you you you'd be able to improve your prospects so they could they could make referrals that way. There are other there are other ways, um, other kinds of groups that I can imagine. I can imagine some companies perhaps uh, operating on a referral basis rather than a customized group basis. Um, I could imagine other kinds of organizations that might want to not, again, not do a customized program, but refer uh, uh, people to us. I'm very open to any of those, uh, any ideas and possibilities there. Um, uh, Simon, it is true the the tuition f- at, for customized groups would definitely be higher because there's more work involved for us. Again, we're we're producing a customized curriculum uh, for those groups based upon their institutional needs and stuff. Um, so that would be higher um, than when we are charging the individual people. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, yeah. Oh, so what skills, for example, Aslan's Compass asks. Good question. I'll show you that in just a second. Um, I'll show you some examples in just a second. Um, so anyway, so this is what we're looking to do in January. You'll notice the reason we're wanting to start with these focused groups, right? Whether it be uh, uh, groups of people who come together, like from corporations, or whether it be uh, partnerships with things like schools, like the coding boot camps, um, who can give us, you know, groups of referrals every time they graduate a class, right? Um, the reason we're wanting to, again, it enables us to have a controlled launch so that we can make sure that our infrastructure is prepared for each thing as we, uh, you know, develop this brand new program uh, uh, for us and get it together. The goal, though, our target is by September 2020. So in the fall of next year, um, we want to open this to everybody. We want to do open registration um, so that we would offer these courses for, uh, again, anybody. Uh, because again, I, I do not think that there is a single person in the world for whom these skills are not relevant. Uh, and I think that lots of people would really benefit from being able to develop uh, their soft skills, uh, as we call them. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And Erica, I do agree. Yeah, I do realize that there are going to be definitely uh, ebbs and flows with companies, you know, that sometimes this will, you know, we'll get groups from companies and then maybe they'll pull back. Yep. Totally agree. Um, uh, it's uh, this is not going to be that's not going to be the only model. As I said, my goal is open registration. You know, I, I want to be able to have this available to everybody. Um, um, but um, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, so, um, let me show you about, uh, oop, wrong way. Here are a couple of the, uh, badges that we are planning to offer. Um, you know, the names of the mini courses might possibly change, but it should give you an idea. Um, again, the way that, the way that our, our career skills courses are organized, um, is, uh, to have, mini courses and our mini courses are about, okay, well, there'll be two different ways in which they're going to be delivered. There can be two different delivery options. Um, one is the concurrent option so that you can just kind of take it in the background. People who are familiar with our Signum program will be familiar with the kind of thing, you know, like two sessions a week, two meetings a week. Um, so definitely something that you can easily do in the background while you're still 
working uh, and doing other things during the day. Um, or we're going to offer an intensive version where people can people can um, can do the sort of the boot camp version of it, um, you know, to do a mini course in like a week, basically. Mm-hmm. Even that wouldn't be exactly full time. Um, uh, it probably would not take you 40 hours in the week uh, to do it in the, to do it in the one week. But but anyway, we, we'll do an intensive version of it. Um, so, um, yeah, anyway, so this is, um, these, so each of our, so three of our mini courses grouped together to form a badge. Um, so these are three of the badges that we're looking to offer first, a badge in basic writing, a badge in critical analysis, and a badge in interpersonal skills. And the, the, uh, the, the, the sub bullets there are the titles of the mini courses that add up to that badge. So for basic writing, you would do storytelling, uh, you would do nuts and bolts, how to write well, and transactional writing. That is like how to take a bunch of information and turn it into coherent prose, that kind of thing. Um, uh, critical analysis. The, the critical analysis badge would be, you do a mini course on constructing an argument, on critical thinking, and on close reading. Uh, the interpersonal skills badge would include mini courses on conflict management, emotional intelligence, and verbal, nonverbal, and visual communication. Um, these are the kinds of soft skills that we are uh, talking about. Um, Erica, the reason that we're calling them badges and not certificates is two things, two reasons. One, we already use the word certificate for something else, and so I don't want to confuse our nomenclature. But two, certificate has a kind of... there's a there's an air of finality about certificates, right? Um, usually when you get a certificate, you're done with the program, right? That's normally, there, there's some kind of association with that, right? Um, but that's not how our badges are designed, right? Our badges are just, you know, many people could, you know, maybe you choose one badge and do one badge. Maybe you choose two badges. Maybe you, you know, collect all six badges and, uh, and, you know, take a a bunch of our different, uh, badges as they're offered. Um, people can kind of group them together differently. So it's easier to talk about, uh, to think of it in terms of badges. Plus it's also, I mean, it's, it's becoming increasingly popular nomenclature, um, within higher education. It's something more and more people are talking about the idea of badges and badging. Um, because badges, unlike certificates, which are generally associated with programs, um, uh, badges are um, uh, associated with like particular skills, right? To say like I have uh, I have achieved competency in this skill, so you get a badge for that, right? Um, I mean, you know, kind of like the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, right? That's kind of the that's kind of the 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 metaphor behind it. Like you get your badge in in knot tying, right? By uh, by accomplishing certain knot tying tasks, right? It's the same. It's the same kind of uh, kind of con- concept, um, yeah. Uh, Simon, I, I'm not promising that um, uh, that we'll have a, a cool sash that you can put badges on, but I'm not going to absolutely rule it out either. Um, and um, anyway, so uh, um, yeah. We and uh, as Curtis is reminding me, uh, one of the ideas here, of course, is that you can display 
badges like this on, you know, social media profiles and like, you know, like on your LinkedIn uh, uh, profile and stuff like that. Um, and again, these kinds of things are becoming increasingly uh, uh, common for job searchers right now to be able to to be able to show like I have uh, I have earned a badge in this and that. These are these are these are these are skills that you can that you can count on from me. And this is one of the things um, this is one of the things that you um this is one of the ways in which remember I was talking about how I want to emphasize not only the um not only for our students the applicability of the humanities courses that they take and 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 uh uh skills that they learn not only teach them more, show them more about the applicability of that in the outside world, but also be working on uh, helping to train the outside world to, 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 to see that and to receive that. The badging system is one of the ways in which that's going to happen. I see, by the way, these are, these are path badges, right? Again, these are the, the non-degree focused, no prerequisite, everybody can do them kinds of badges, right? Um, the, uh, at the undergraduate level, I see us still doing a similar thing. So looking up towards our undergraduate program in the future. And again, my goal is I'm aiming for a fall 2021 launch. Um, it's going to take a little longer because we have a lot more to put in place. In particular, that connects with our credentialing in important ways, right? We are still in the process of completing our accreditation process. Yes, that's still happening. Um and once that does happen, then, of course, we will also have to uh, get our new undergraduate, pro you know, if we're going to do a BA program, we have to get that approved uh, by the state and by the accreditors. So there's a, there's 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 more background stuff that needs to be um, put into place before we can launch the undergraduate program. But the goal, um, uh, the goal is that we're going to be we're aiming for the fall 2021 launch of our undergraduate program. And. We're not just going to be following the traditional BA template. This is not going to be just a BA program uh, in the way in which BA programs have always been run. I think there need to be many paths through our undergraduate program. There need to be many points of entry and many points of exit because there are a lot of people that can benefit from the kind of training you get from undergraduate humanities programs, um, from the kind of learning that you do in undergraduate humanities program who don't necessarily need a bachelor's degree in humanities. Right. Um, so I see us having uh, a, a an undergraduate level um, badging uh, program basically, where uh, people who, it would be like the next level up uh, from the PATH program, uh, where you, um, uh, so, you know, you, you again, you, you're doing basic writing in Signum PATH, right? So then you go on and you do um, advanced writing. So you can do, you know, we would, we, we could have badges in creative writing. We can have badges in expository writing, you know, as we, as we, you know, we can have, uh, you know, badges uh, in archival research and, 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 and writing, you know, for those things. And these are all things which, you know, might not be quite as broadly applicable as the, as the Signum Path programs, but, you know, uh, the Signum Path badges, um, but they would still have uh, a lot of applicability to many different places. You know, there are definitely multiple careers for which um, practice finding and identifying uh, excellent resources, integrating that information and presenting it in a, uh, in a persuasive way that that's a really important part of, um, uh, of what they, 
need to do, right? So we would have a badge for that um, so that you can you can show that you have those skills and they would be worth credits, right? So, um, you know, so we I, I can see several different um, uh, sort of categories of paths that people can take through our undergraduate programs. There might be some people who want to just do badges, right? I'm just, you know, I'm, I, I will take three or four of your undergraduate classes so that I can get a badge, um, you know, in, you know, uh, 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 research and writing, for instance, just again, or creative writing or whatever. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, so so th- there might be people, again who would just are going to have, and that's a different level of badge, right? You know, that's uh, 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 it's like an order of magnitude uh, above the path badges, right? Which are much shorter and simpler. Um, where you know a path badge is maybe one total credit, maybe a little bit more than one total credit. Um, you know, one of the undergraduate badges would be the equivalent of like you know, nine to 12 credits, uh, of undergraduate work. Um, so it's a much more significant kind of accomplishment would mean more. Therefore, um, some people would use our undergraduate program for course transfer. Um, uh, this is something I would strongly encourage, you know, lots of people go to community colleges to, uh, uh, to, you know, get some credits before they go off to do what they want to do. Um, do that at Signum. By all means, do that at Signum. Take some really awesome undergraduate interdisciplinary humanities programs that are going to help you a lot. Get 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 a get a good badge or two, right? In uh, some things that are going to really help you in your future career, whatever it's going to be, and then go off and study somewhere else. You know, and and take those credits with you. Um, so. Uh, and then, of course, there will be some who will want to stay and do the bachelor's degree with us uh, and actually get a, BH, uh, a BA degree and then maybe go on, you know, and get a, 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 an MA or PhD, possibly, you know, a subset of them, of them will want to do that. Um, so, um, um, yeah, exactly, Simon. There are a lot of people who would benefit from undergraduate humanities learning but don't need a bachelor's degree, and that's why I really dislike the inflexibility of most college programs where it's like, you can come and get your BA here or you can maybe take a class or two and transfer it out or something, but they don't, they're not really thinking about their programs in that way. The curriculum isn't built that way. And I want to build our curriculum that way as we're, uh, as we're developing it. Um, uh, yeah, cool. Um, uh, do I have plans to expand into film studies and that sort of media production? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, that I, I can definitely see that coming in. I mean, I my on the one hand, I know just as I was saying earlier on, I know that there's like, you know, I, I have been experiencing over the last several years the temptation to go outside our niche uh, in uh, the 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 Lang and Lit department, you know, and our, our current program, uh, and add other things that would be really fun to add. And I've been like, no, no, I want to stick to the niche. I know it's going there's going to be a similar thing, right? When we we do our humanities program, and it's going to be tempting to be like, well, you could also add various technical programs and like math and other things and be like, "Mm, maybe, maybe someday, maybe someday we do that kind of thing, but that's not where I see us going first. I want to really focus on our new niche, which is this humanities niche and really live there, uh, in that, you know, move into and expand into that much larger niche, uh, and then see, you know, where things kind of go, uh, down the road. So anyway, that's, um, that's the plan. Um, uh, that's, um, that's, that's where we're headed and I am super excited about it. Let me, let me emphasize, let me go back for a second, um, to our, um, 
our path program and especially our launch uh, in January and, um, you know, over the course of the first half of next year. Um, this is one place where you guys, and I mean, by you guys, I mean very broadly, our Signum community as a whole can really, really help. Uh, and there are a couple ways in which you guys can really, really help. First of all, um, anytime you're doing a brand new thing, right? And this is a brand new thing for us. Um, getting our first, um, you know, our first group, our first people, our first, our first students, um, that's going to be huge. Uh, I am very convinced that people are going to see the value in this, um, especially since, by the way, I didn't even mention it, but like tuition rates are, are still going to carry on being very, very low. Um, uh, you know, right now, the price point that I'm looking at uh, for our for our individual programs, like the system referrals and the open registration down the road uh, is like 200 bucks, 200, 225 uh, per mini course. So a badge at Signum Path, like an entire badge uh, is only going to cost $675 in tuition. Um, so it's, it's a very small amount of money for a pretty significant uh, uh, piece of personal enrichment and professional development. Um, anyway, so we're still, we're, we're doing our low tuition thing. Um, but um, anyway, as I say, breaking into, you know, I'm, I'm confident that people who pursue our program are going to see the value in it and be excited about it. But of course, getting our first students, that's the, that's the trick, right? Uh, I am, uh, if, if we can do that, then I am confident that this program is going to work out and that our humanities program is really going to thrive. Um, but we definitely, um, we definitely need to um, uh, start somewhere, right? So what does this mean? This means if you have any um, ideas of referrals that you could give to us, um, like companies that you know of or that you're a part of that might be interested in pursuing a program like this, even a kind of on a, on a sort of a pilot basis, when we begin, you know, we're willing to begin very small uh, if we need to in order to... Um, uh, you know, really make sure that we are, you know, delivering these courses as well as we possibly can and, um, and you know, just trying to, to show people the value of these. Um, so we've got, uh, if you can, if you have any referrals to a corporation or to any other kind of group that might, um, uh, that might benefit from, uh, from, from this kind of program, if you know anybody at a school that might be interested in referring people as I was describing. It doesn't have to be one of the coding boot camps, though. Certainly, if you know anybody involved in those, I'd be delighted to talk with them. Um, but, um, uh, but any again, if it's, are you involved with a uh, with a group or part of a professional organization that might uh, be interested in setting up a referral basis uh, to a program like this for the sake of? providing the opportunity or encouraging the opportunity for uh, for its members or for its employees to uh, or for its student body to be able to enrich themselves, you know, personally and professionally in this way. Um, referrals would be super, super helpful right now. Um, I believe that we're going to be able to build uh, some good momentum once we get started. But getting started is going to be is going to be tricky. And yet, Flamifer, I absolutely I hear that suggestion. Um, it is something that I am thinking about as well. Uh, if you are personally interested, um, 
I know several of you were uh, uh, expressing in the comments interest in uh, in some of these courses and some of these badges that we're offering. Um, if these sound like something that you would be really interested in doing, I would be very interested in forming like a beta group, basically. Um, uh, so if you want to sign up for a beta group, if you would if you would like to enroll uh, yourself in one of these programs, we're not going to open enrollment to the general public. Um, again, we just don't have the infrastructure to throw open the doors and say, come one, come all, and let's advertise and, and you know, and try to market this on the open market. Um, we're not there yet. We need to do a more controlled launch. But again, if we have a group of people uh, who would be interested in doing this and we can we can get that together and make it work, um, that would be lovely. I would uh, I would be very interested in doing that. Um, send us an email. Send us an email if uh, if you are uh, personally interested in this. Uh, just send it to info at signumu.org uh, and let us know. And we will we'll We'll be in touch. Like I said, January is when we're is is the uh, the target date for our sort of soft launch of the program, uh, and then hoping to be able to 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 build up, get our first set of students um, through our initial program there uh, in the first part of the year, and then uh, do the full launch uh, in uh, next September. So yeah, so go ahead and if you are interested, uh, send uh, either either uh, uh, information about potential referral. You can either send it straight to me, uh, Corey.Olson at signumu.org, or you can send it to info at signumu.org. I'll get it there too. Um, uh, so yeah, that would be um, uh, that would be that would be excellent uh, to find out people who either have referrals or suggestions uh, for uh, you know people that we could approach who might be interested um, or um, people who, uh, again, who are interested in participating uh, in a beta group, uh, either one, let us know, uh, because that would be that would be really fun. Um, so I hope that you have enjoyed uh, learning about and I hope and I've, I, I have certainly enjoyed sharing with you my vision. I, I can't even tell you, as I've said, about how excited I have been uh, about this program. Um, it has been um, I don't know. I don't even know what to compare it to. Uh, but that just that that sense of this this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is this is the logical next step for Signum. This is how uh, Signum can step out and begin really making a broader impact. And remember, we're not leaving anything behind, right? Um, this new program will enable us to build up our infrastructure so that we will be able to do more of what we do now. Our master's uh, program in language and literature is only going to thrive and grow. Indeed, it's going to become the template uh, which we're going to be copying for future graduate programs in other disciplines uh, in years to come. It's going to be, you know, the, 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 our, our Lang and Lit faculty who are currently teaching with us are going to also be, uh, uh, you know, contributing to our undergraduate curriculum and even to our PATH program as well. Um, that's, uh, that's a big part of, um, of, of uh, what we do. Um, so anyway, yeah. The, uh, and it will never be forgotten. Uh, no matter how you know, big our humanities program someday grows and, and how much we do, it shall never be forgotten that we started off uh, with Tolkien studies and imaginative literature and Germanic philology. Uh, that will always be our roots and that will always be something that we do and which I hope we do as much of or more than anybody else does. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I've long had the goal of of being able to provide people, uh, you know, potential students with uh, the best and deepest program in Tolkien studies and imaginative literature uh, and now Germanic philology uh, that is offered anywhere in the world. And uh, this is not this is only going to make uh, that more and more possible in the future. Um, so again, the email if you want to if you want to send an email to uh, uh, express interest to to make a referral or to express interest uh, in in a beta program. Um, uh, send it to info at signumu.org. Um, uh, very simple. And of course, we're still in our fundraising campaign. I hope, uh, you know, it's one of the other reasons that I wanted to share this with you. I know that, you know, our, our fundraising appeal, you know, has generally been, hey, don't you love the Tolkien Studies programs that we're doing, you know, the broadcasts and everything and all this, you know, the ways in which we're trying to build a community for, you know, taking fantasy and science fiction seriously and providing these kinds of opportunities. And all of those things are still true. They're as true as they have ever been. But I wanted to kind of share with you this, this like bigger dream, right? Which, um, uh, which that is, is, is sort of the, uh, the doorway too, right? And now that we are stepping through that doorway and uh, heading off into the bright future here down this path, um, I am, uh, I you know, I I I I hope again, you know, uh, that you will consider making a donation to Signum University to help make this stuff possible. We are these first steps are challenging, right? These first steps are challenging because we have to we have to step out and start this kind of a program without you know, very likely without funding, maybe some kind of funding will work out. We're going to be applying for, you know, grants and things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe we will, uh, maybe we will find something like that, but, um, we're operating under the assumption that we're going to do this as we've done everything all along, as we've always built things, uh, at Signum, which is on faith and with, uh, the generous support of our donors. So, I hope that you will consider, uh, or not even just consider making a donation, which I certainly do, but I hope that, you know, as I know many of you are already donors and have been very generous in your support of Signum in years past and already this year, perhaps, um, that uh, that I, I wanted to give you kind of the bigger picture, right, to know that you are not only helping to perpetuate and develop um, one of the coolest, most vibrant communities for the discussion of Tolkien studies and fantasy literature, but you are also really helping to build a future for the humanities and uh, a real difference maker, I hope, in higher education. Um, there are so many people who need help, both schools and uh, uh, and students, and I think that if we uh, if we are if we proceed down this path that we have identified and that we are uh, we are moving down, we'll be able to really lead the way uh, for what I hope to be some really positive change uh, in the higher education world. Um, all right. So. Um, thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining me. Any last uh, any last question? So. Maple Pine was asking, and I talked about this a bit at the beginning, and I'll come back to it a bit at the end. Uh, are we accredited? Not yet. We are in that process right now, and I'm not permitted to talk about it at all. Uh, that's strictly against the rules. Accreditation is kind of like Fight Club in that way. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, we are um, uh, we are definitely in the in that process. That's one of the things that's uh, been. Uh, kind of triggering 
the next steps because that's what will, you know, if assuming, which I am not assuming, uh, if, as I hope and believe we are successful in our application for accreditation, uh, then um, that would enable us to be able to build our undergraduate program much more seamlessly. There's a lot. The, the PATH program is independent of accreditation. It's not tied with that at all. Um, it's about, and there's a lot that I like about that. It's about the content, right? Um, it's about what we're doing in the courses and, 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 and the skills that people are acquiring. It's not about, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. It's not about the piece of paper you get at the end. Uh, and, uh, who says the piece of paper that you have is cool, right? It's not about that. Now at the undergraduate level, That'll be more involved. Um, but again, that's one of the reasons why the launch of the undergraduate program is scheduled for 2021, to enable us ample time, uh, Lord willing, and the crick don't rise, to get through that process. Um, so, uh, yeah, great question. Uh, I'm not sure how to say your name. Um, uh, but, uh, uh Yes, not not at all sure how to pronounce that. Um, but uh, if someone goes for badges, those aren't for credit. Could they be applied to a degree in the future? Potentially, I can imagine. So, remember, I said that there's like a there's going to be a, a kind of a like an order of magnitude, like a kind of a hierarchical relationship between the badges in the Signum Path program. You know, those those foundational entry level badges and the badges that we're going to offer at the undergraduate level. I can imagine a system or kind of work we're working this out i don't have all the details of this ironed out yet but i can imagine where a bunch of the the smaller um badges the signum path badges could accumulate to equal a badge which would be which would which could be credit bearing um kind of retroactively it's not the point of the path program uh you know we're not the signum path program is not um something that we are intending to be about getting credits uh, towards graduation for anything or towards any degree. Um, it's not about that at all. Um, but again, when we do have the undergraduate program in place, can I imagine that we, you know, people who be start at the Signum Path level and begin to accumulate badges and want to continue their studies, you know, that we could find a way to kind of fold that in so that it could, it could, you know, account for some credits. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something that we're thinking about down the road. Um, as I say, I, I, I can't work it out much clearer than that right now, uh, mathematically, but, but I, I can see something like that happening. Um, yeah, cool. Um, Yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah, exactly. It's about learning cool stuff and developing important skills, which is the heart of real education. Yeah, I have to admit, one of my personal pet peeves are advertisements for higher educational institutions which focus only on the degree that you get, right? As if the only point, you know, like advertisements which say, come here to get this degree. Like, that's all that matters, right? All that matters is at the end of the day, you're going to get this piece of paper, right? And I understand, like, it's a return on investment thing, right? Because this piece of paper is going to have a quantifiable value for you, then, like, you know, that's what, um, um, that's what, that's what matters. So that's what we're selling. But that kind of transaction is just, to me, that is um, very far from the heart of what education should be, right? If you're only in it, for the degree that you get at the end. Um, if you're not in it for what you're learning along the way, why, I mean, why do it? I mean, again, I know why to do it, but, um, how sad, 
that is <laughs> really. I just, yeah. So, um, and that's, that's never what I want, um, Signum at any level to be. I mean, even the degrees that we're going to offer, like we are going to offer a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a PhD, but even there, um, I would de-emphasize uh, the degrees. I can imagine a day in which we don't even call them that anymore. We don't even call them degree programs um, and don't even think about them that way. Um, and if we, if that happened, you know, if those degrees, if those particular pieces of paper went away um, and we ended up sort of thinking about and, and kind of conceptualizing progress through our different programs differently, I wouldn't be in the least bit disturbed because, again, it's still like the essence would still be there. Right. And the essence is, is the journey. It's not the destination. It's about what you're learning. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Good. Anyway. Um, yeah. Good. Catriana says I was always in it for what I was learning and, uh, ended up with a degree that is not so useful and I regret nothing. Yeah. Good. It's, um, uh, you know, it's a conversation I've had with, you know, I've had a large number of conversations now with Congress people. <laughs> I've spent much more time at our state capitol, and I know my way around our state capitol building and the legislative office building. I know my way around there and where the best parking spots are nearby more than I would have expected two years ago. And this often comes up, you know, because, again, people make us people assume that the, the you know, the current um dynamics of higher education are normative, right? You know, like it's all about the return on investment. Like it's all, you know, we're asking so much of students, like you've got to make sure that what you're giving in return is really valuable in quantitative material ways, right? Or else you're just taking them for a ride. So Congress people are always asking me like, you know, what do students do with your degree? And I'm like, mostly nothing. Like, that's not the point. Most of the people who are in our degree program are in the degree program because they want to learn this stuff, right? They're not, they're, you know, the, the majority of our students don't plan to apply their master's degree from Signum in their profession. Um, you know, we've got people in all kinds of different professions for whom it's really not especially relevant. We've got some who have used it and who do use it, who've gone on to PhD programs and, uh, and in other ways. But again, that's, that's not the point. Right. Uh, and it's what's how I always try to answer that question is like, you know, that's really not what we're about. And it's again, I talked about the freedom that we have as an institution, the freedom that we gain by reducing the pressure, the pressure on our costs, the pressure on our tuition. One of the great freedoms that we get is that we can say, like, hey, like, it's OK. Take courses for fun. Learn stuff just because you want to learn stuff. You know, it's not like you're not. You're not mortgaging the rest of your life in order to take these classes. It's fun. Um, yeah, yeah, that's um, uh, that's exactly the kind of thing that um, we are able to do. And I think it's going to be really uh, cool. Exactly. As uh, Josiah says, they spent long hours in their studies and they gained... Well, you will see if they gained anything in the end. <laughs> exactly. That is just the kind of adventure uh, that uh, I would like our students to feel that they are embarking on. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, so yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, that is... Uh, so that's, the, that's the, the, the focus. And again, you know, does it seem to... Uh, you know, is what I'm saying now, does it seem to contradict what I said before? No, not really. Again, um, our 
current program is is designed chiefly for personal enrichment. So the, our current Signum program, our master's degree program, began because people really, really wanted to be able to take courses because they wanted to learn more. And that's what they're doing. Um, what we want to do, the way that we are planning to move forward and uh, really reinvent the study of the humanities, um, is because there is massive importance. There is almost limitless applicability. Uh, and we want to help people with that. We want to help everybody see that. Um, we want to, to show people the value of the humanities. Um, not because we have to, not because, you know, we're, we're trying to pay off, uh, the enormous investment that we're asking people to make in us, but because we are about you know, helping people in that way. It's, it's at the heart, uh, of what we're doing. Um, but, uh, um, and it will be like very advantageous in very material ways. But, but again, even that it's not, it's not about the degree accumulation. It's not about, uh, it's, it's not even about the end point. We want to help along the way. Also teach people to broaden themselves and enjoy learning. Um, it's, um, it's really fun. So, um, anyway, um, that's, um, that's the, uh, that's the goal here. So I look forward to hearing from some of you. If there's any suggestions or ideas that you have, please do not hesitate. Um, any responses or, uh, or advice or anything like that. We are, uh, um, you know, very right now it's, I almost said September. It's October now, the beginning of October. And we are, um, you know, working our way through, as I said, January is the plan for the launch. We have our, 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 we're working on finalizing our curriculum now, building our structure, planning on, uh, you know, getting our infrastructure support in place. And soon we'll be working on, uh, you know, developing contacts with, uh, with potential, uh, you know, referring bodies, potential groups who might want to enroll, um, looking to recruit students. Um, so, you know, now is the time for, uh, for suggestions, for, uh, for advice, for referrals. Um, that would be super, super valuable, uh, for us now. Um, yeah. Awesome. So thanks everybody. Thanks everybody so much for, uh, for joining me tonight. Uh, thank you so many of you who have, uh, I just love looking at the, um, at the, the, uh, attendee list at events like this, because I just love reflecting back on, uh, the journey that you guys have been with us, uh, on already. Uh, and, uh, I look forward to your continued fellowship and support, uh, as we move forward, uh, down this, uh, great new adventure that our, our path is, uh, sweeping us off our feet and bringing us down here, uh, like, uh, uh, like like Bilbo finally uh, there in the Fellowship of the Ring, or like he always warned Frodo of. Um, so anyway, thanks very much, everybody. And uh, I will see you guys soon. Normal broadcasts this week for most of the week. This weekend, of course, is Middlemoot. So I'm looking forward to being able to see some of you out there in the in the Midwest this weekend. Uh, and uh, I will see you one 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 place or one broadcast or one class or another. I hope to see you guys soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye now.